Welcome to Turn-Based Attack, light for February 16th, 2018. Gung-Hei Fat Choi to the majority of uh, human beings on the planet, as it is Chinese New Year, the year of the dog. The year of the diamond dog. Uh, I am Lee. I am joined today by Sultans of Slam's Andrew. Hello! Hello! <laughs> We're here in the, uh, the echoey chamber from last week, trying to get back to brass tacks. Uh, so if you haven't... If you're just coming to the website for some reason, uh, TBA Light is a abridged version uh, of our main podcast that the, the website started with called Turn-Based Attack. Uh, here we're just going to quickly run down uh, video games. Yeah. Sure. Uh, we're going to talk about what we've been playing, uh, some quick talk about the new releases coming out, and uh, touching on some video game news that uh, tickled my fancy uh, this week. Um, but you know, before we do anything, let's talk about something... Uh, that's tangentially related to video games, or at least I see things written about it on most of the popular video game websites, and that's the Han Solo teaser trailer. <laughs> um, so if you've uh, if you've been listening to me for a while, I'm sorry, but also uh, since the like just the iceberg, uh, which is our my original pop culture podcast, uh, that started ten plus years ago, and during that time was when the Marvel movies really started kicking off. You can hear through the years us get really excited uh, about the build up to the Avengers. Uh, and then Disney's uh, acquisition of LucasArts and what that meant for Star Wars and stuff like that. Uh, you know, they made a fourth Indiana Jones movie somewhere along the line. Uh, and here we are in the space age future of 2018. We're launching Teslas into space. Um, <laughs> you know, and uh, now we've got a Star Wars movie every four months. We've got a Marvel movie. We've got Black Panther coming out today, uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Han Solo tickets have not gone on sale yet. They just showed the teaser, and that movie's apparently out in May. Has had all kinds of production issues. Uh, they let go of the directors. Uh, Ron Howard came in to do whatever they told him to do, uh, and now we've got this this Han Solo teaser. Well, kind of. I mean, he, when Ron Howard came in, he uh, redid eighty percent of the movie, but that was because the director was also sitting on his butt apparently most of the time. Not to mention he had a conflict with the actors, and he was just incredibly. Well, it hard was to work it was with. dual directors, right? It was those what were their names? Yeah, I, I, was, I couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Uh, I've also heard that they they had like a they had a vision for the movie that wasn't necessarily in the cookie cutter Disney whatever. They they got to protect their property and they want a certain product, but it really it, we've been talking about this for years. Why hire someone like James Gunn is a really good example. You hire James Gunn and you let James Gunn make a James Gunn movie, and it's extremely successful. If you want movies just to look a certain way and all be kind of too, like laced up, then Ron Howard is the right choice. Ron Howard's going to be like, what do you want it to look like? It'll be that. He's a competent director. Uh, his, his style is lack of style. A Ron Howard movie has no... There's nothing that you, you just hear like, who, who directed this? Ron Howard. Yeah, it makes sense. There's, there's nothing that stood out. Uh, and that's fine if that's what Disney wants. Obviously, they reshot a lot of this movie. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, well, that's millions of dollars we're talking about. Well, and they also rag on. I, I, I never remember his his name. The guy who's playing Han. Yeah, that kid. Uh, they were ragging on him. Saying, oh, this movie's going to be terrible because Disney had to go out and get an acting coach, and which yeah. is not the truth at all. Yes, there was an acting coach, but he brought in the acting coach so he could be more like Harrison Ford. Yeah, that's why he brought him so in. He just started smoking weed every day, <laughs> um, crashing uh, helicopters. <laughs> yeah, that guy. For a guy who smokes so much weed every like all you hear like I don't know if you ever heard Greg Proops talk about Harrison Ford uh, and just the fact that like that dude got into a cab one time with like a steel bowl filled with burning weed with a with a sheet over top of it because he ran out of papers uh, like Harrison Ford is a chronic uh, wizard <laughs> chronic chronic <laughs> wizard loves the weed real laid back it's crazy to think that that guy shows up and is in movies and has the frame of mind to 
perform. Uh, I, you know, sight unseen, the guy has a good look to him. Obviously, he does look a little older than Harrison Ford did in a movie that took place before this movie is set, but uh, after this movie is taking place. Um, but, uh, you know, you have uh, Donald Glover as Lando. Looks great. Uh, the visuals look like what you would expect from a Disney Star Wars movie will be. Um, uh, the, historically, Rogue One for me was like a meh. Uh, Last Jedi, not a fan. I thought Force Awakens was a great promise of the future. And here, now Han Solo. Um, did we need to get to the Han Solo movie so quickly or at all, Andrew? What do you want out of Star Wars? You're the biggest Star Wars fan still. I want see that the thing here is that with these side stories, I heard that they were only going to do three of them, and that's why they're going on to the expanded universe. What I want out of it is more expanded universe. If you want to build the characters up for characters that we already know and love, like Han and that, it's a very fine line because you're telling us a backstory that you have to keep canon, but you can't oversaturate right. because then we're just sick of it, and you've ruined that character for what's already come well, out. That's the problem with the prequels. That was case in point. The issue with the prequels is we we've heard these stories about. What Obi-Wan and Anakin did, and that's kind of good enough, and then the movies are the movies. What you have already shown us is fine. What we've seen upon Solo in the movies is fine. Uh, dredging up, making a story, like building a movie around a throwaway line from a 70s movie. Like, we're going to put the Kessel Run in this fucking thing. Like, that was, it was a throwaway line in the script. It was, yeah. it was space nonsense. Uh, but now yeah. Disney's going to farm all of that for content. Um, and that was still a throwaway in episode seven. Yeah. I mean, Ray brings it up and then uh, miscommunicates the amount of time, which is still not right because it's, ma- it's a measure of distance. Right. But anyway. <laughs> uh, she part br- sex. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Part of sex. And then she brings it up and then he's like, 12. And he just yells it out like really loud uh, at her. And it's it's one of those like small, again, throwaway things yeah. that we saw that we've seen in episode eight. Episode the holographic chest game popping yeah. up on the Falcon. It's just like, okay, moving on. Um, of all these like side stories, one the only one that has me interested is doing an Obi Wan movie. If Ewan McGregor can be in it, he wants to. He's I, ready. He's, he said he said he's in. If anyone got short shrift in those friggin' prequel movies, it's that guy. Worst, someone worse than that was Liam Neeson. I mean, the character, <laughs> for what his, it's worth, his, his yeah. character was good. That movie was terrible. I mean, I don't care about the galactic trade routes of whatever planet. That didn't matter. Like it was, it, he was completely lost yeah. in that film. It, the fact was, his character was cool. So apparently, when they approached him, uh, Liam Neeson was like, "I'm on board. I'm in." Like yeah. your, your explanation of his character is fantastic. But then apparently, he got the script, and it was close to filming, and he's he was like, like, "What have I done?" I bet, I bet the Imperial cruiser on a race. And they're like, "Yes." Do I know he's going to win? No. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a bad decision. Uh, well, you know, unless we talk about the prequels, better. Anyways, uh, I didn't want to get hung up on Star Wars too long here, but uh, from what I saw of the trailer, I don't care if I see that movie, uh, and that's increasingly the feeling I have about every Disney thing I see. Um, some of it's good, like occasionally you watch one, it's great. I'm sure Black Panther is fantastic, but I've heard great things, and yeah. it even got me kind of teetering over the edge because I know I'm, I'm much the like you. Soundtrack I'm... seems awesome. Like, I sure I don't whatever could be cool. I like Black Panther as a character. I've read plenty of comics and he's an interesting character uh i like him involved with the marvel universe yeah uh like him in wakanda great him in new york taking over for daredevil for a little bit uh in in the man of uh whatever uh run that was 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 great too uh he's an interesting character and uh glad to hear he'll be elevated uh in this in this movie it's just the fact that it took so long to get here like 
We, we, yeah, we've been waiting like 10 years, but the problem is it was just so drawn out yeah. to get to this point of where we're like, I mean, Civil War. Civil War was a giant universal thing. We only got a glimpse of it in Captain America, and a lot of people skipped it because they're like, well, Captain America is boring, which I, yeah. I know I couldn't I, disagree I, with I, more. I, yeah. yeah. But in saying that, I mean, they've set it up so well, and I know for me, my girlfriend, crazy. She's looking forward to it so much, yeah. and I know I'm going because she wants to go. But in saying that, I, I could not be so so much more removed, at least on the, the Star Wars scale, which I don't want to go back to you, but I'm going to bring that up for one quick mm. second. There's one movie a year. When you go, when you see a Marvel movie, you've got three or four coming out in a year. <laughs> you've got that plenty is, to choose from. That is yeah. oversaturation. Yeah the the whole the whole Marvel U uh, and, and you know why it's been so successful, multi billion dollar achieving, uh, is the the drive that even if you don't like that character, something will be in that movie that will that will come up again in another movie. Uh, and you, you're like Doctor Strange, take it or leave it. But it sets up that it sets up the the idea of alternate uh, dimensions and whatnot. Uh, so when Doctor Strange shows up in the next Avengers movie, you're caught up. Uh, I think is is what's going on, especially for people who don't read comics that don't know like what are they doing? Just a Doctor Strange origin story? Okay, did they stick pretty close to it? Excellent. Don't have to see the movie. Uh, <laughs> is how I feel now. Like that's that's me with the DC movies in a nutshell. It's just like what what did they do? Why should I watch it? And but that's accurate. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the way it's kind of gone. I didn't care about Doctor Strange. I wanted to see it, but yeah. was I over the moon to go take some time out of my day to go see it at a theater? No. But I, did I watch it on Netflix? And did I really enjoy Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I watched it passingly. It was fantastic. It's like you. You watched, uh, was it Rogue One? On I watched Rogue One on an airplane. Yeah. That's my point. I, <laughs> if I was in your position, I would have loved it because I didn't spend any money on it. Yeah. I was on a plane. Like, I had nothing else to do. Was it a good movie? Sure. I mean. Fine. Yeah. Exactly. That's all right. So, I mean, your, your, your position to watch it couldn't be any better. But if you're Other than the fact that it was on a six inch screen on the back of someone's chair. Yeah. But I mean, for a movie you weren't going to see originally anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll watch things on a plane, no problem. Uh, so, anyways, we we've been just going off on yeah. a tangent here, but um, yeah, like if you went back ten years when like Iron Man first came out, and we were so high on Iron Man, I was working at Blockbuster at the time, telling everybody to leave Blockbuster and go see Iron Man. Uh, like, <laughs> why you leave because it was closing, or just leave now? <laughs> just, just just get out of here. Uh, yeah, don't don't rent Apocalyptica or whatever from Mel Gibson. Go watch Iron Man. Uh, this movie's badass. Remember Robert Downey Jr. Remember that guy? Well, he's back, and he, he's better than ever. Um, He's going to be Sherlock Holmes. Anyway, if you went back then and you said, hey, you know that Iron Man movie? They're going to do the exact same thing to Doctor Strange. They're going to do the exact same thing to Captain America. The quality will be there, but you'll have watched 13 of these before that happens. That's that's the factor you weren't... Like, Benedict Cumberbatch, 10 years ago, was a relative unknown-ish. Definitely not as mainstream as he is now. Like, he was was unknown here. Not really much, I'd I'd, I'd say, in, like, England, I, I think, but... Yeah, they'd be like, Hugh Laurie is playing Doctor Strange. And I'm like, yes! Um, anyway, so I think that's where we're at. It's just the oversaturation of it. Uh, there's there's only so many of these movies I can get excited for. Like, I, I watched the Avengers trailer, the new one, and I feel nothing. I watched the Han Solo trailer, and I'm like... The, even just from that teaser, what little Han Solo says in that mo- in that teaser, when he's like, was he like, I'm going to be the best pilot, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I never felt Han Solo had aspirations to be this great thing. He was a smuggler that saw an opportunity and, and took the money. And then he had a change of heart or his virtue disallowed him to abandon Luke on the Death Star run. And that was the arc of that character. And Han Solo is a reluctant hero. He was never like, oh, I'm gonna... 
I don't well, buy well, it. But we don't. We also don't know. Well, I can't. No, say no, anything. We don't oh, know anything. There, <laughs> yeah. there, there were there were there were books for his for his upco- upbringing, which is actually part and parcel as to why we we get. Uh, uh, oh, he's been, I, uh, I'm much more interested in a Han Solo. Well, you think I'm much more interested in a Han Solo after the original trilogy and what he goes and does then. All the stuff that doesn't count anymore, of course. Uh, like I read some of those novels back in the day. I'd be dumbfounded. I, I wouldn't re- be able to re- tell you anything that happened in them because it was over 15 years ago. Uh, but I remember enjoying them and thinking hey, this is a cool continuation. Uh, just like all the Dark Forces games and stuff like that, and and, and everything in the expanded universe. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, but that's what that's what part of this movie is. Yeah. Some of it was taken from that book. So Woody Harrelson, there we go. Woody Harrelson, there you go. He's uh, <laughs> he's 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 going to bring him into the smuggling ring, and that's part of the book. His it's always Woody Harrelson. Yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna pull him uh, they're gonna pull him into that. They have to have like a certain amount of weed smoking on set if if a Han Solo movie was happening. So it's like, <laughs> well, Harrison's out, but get Woody in. Um, anyways. On Solo. We'll see how it is. That's coming out May. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, end of May? May 26th? Something sure. like that? And then is there not another Star Wars movie this year? Are we done? No, we're done for the year. Excellent. <laughs> uh, not till, uh, not not 2018 December. 2019 December will be episode 9. And then what we get after that will be up in the air. If they don't, if they do or don't do a Obi-Wan movie. Yeah, guess what we don't need? A Yoda movie. <laughs> no need for a Yoda movie. Well, he, he comes in episode 8. Fantastic. Gone. Exit. Yeah, he comes in episode 8 like he was when he first met Luke in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, so I like that he, as a ghost, has regressed to troll Yoda. Uh, but that's okay. We won't talk about Last Jedi here. Anyways, <laughs> let's talk about video games. Sorry for that, everybody. Uh, what have you been playing, Andrew? Uh, I actually just started playing I Am Setsuna. Oh, on the Switch? Yeah. Oh. I, I've had it for a while, and I'm like physical, digital, whatever, and it, I'm actually... Not far in, but I like it. It's considered a spiritual successor to Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Some of the same, uh, I believe, developers are, are oh, even, on it. Even some of the moves are the same. I mean, yeah. the first tech- technique that I got was Cyclone, which... Yeah, classic. I, he has right at the beginning They're Hanging of the out with a, a frog and a robot. Yeah. Um, so, Chrono Trigger, for me, uh, played it on the Final Fantasy Anthology disc. Can't remember if I completed it, but got pretty far. That is the worst yeah, version. There's, like, there's cutscenes, but there's loading screens as well. Uh, so, I'm Setsuna already has a sequel of sorts called Lost Sphere... Uh, I don't know if it's a direct sequel or the set in the same universe or what. Uh, spiritual successor, okay. really. It's, it's it's the same idea, same kind of gameplay. I'm pretty sure even one of the techniques is one of these screenshots on the back of the case. But I have been hearing the the story uh, is more involving. It's you're far more involved in it. You're far sure. more drawn in. Not that I am Setsun it was bad. It was just. It did what we know and love comfortably. I I the only gripe I heard about it is it's slow. It's slow paced. I can even feel that right yeah. now at the beginning. Yeah, that's all I've ever heard uh, about about I'm Setsuna on a negative. Otherwise, like you start off and you go through a tutorial. People who haven't played, you know, an RPG or this style of RPG, and they kind of like just take you into the the shallow end first. And you're uh, you're a mercenary for hire. You're out to save a girl. You save the girl. Not um, unlike Han Solo. Much not like Han Solo. <laughs> and uh, you get uh, drawn in. The guy who is giving you the tutorial where you're doing all the battling gives you your cash. He's like, I'm taking the girl back. Have a good life. Which is kind of weird. He vanishes. And then this person just kind of walks out of the forest up to you saying, hey, I know about you. I want to hire you. I want you to kill a girl in a village. And that's where and you get, and you just go off to the village on a boat. And I'm like, that like took a giant turn. Like I knew what was going to happen like eventually. Got to get the, paid. The fact that it's like <laughs> the straight line and not even like. You've taken three steps and the line, the line just deviates and you're off, but it's it feels very slow. 
I'm sorry to hear that. But hopefully you get through. I thought I thought you'd already played the game. Actually, no, I've I've been wanting because you picked it up a while ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's like video game ADD. It's like, ooh, that game's shiny. That yeah. game's shiny. And I'm, Unless yeah. the game is Monster Hunter World, and then you don't see any <laughs> other game ever. Uh, so Monster Hunter World came out at the end of uh, January, along with Dragon Ball Fighters. <laughs> that's uh, those two games are just selling game busters, man. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters managed to uh, kind of bring all the fighting game communities together. Like people who like Smash like it, people who like Street Fighter like it, people who have been waiting for a Marvel vs. Capcom because Infinite's not doing it for them uh, are loving this game. Uh, they're picking it up. It's it's easy to pick up. It's got auto combos. It's got stuff where you can butt mash out and feel like you're having a good time, get through the story and have fun. Go online, you just get your ass whipped. Uh, so it's got those levels to it. Uh, it's a three on three fighter. Uh, they're having some DLC coming out soon. It's got all the Dragon Ball Z. Uh, you know, it's a Dragon Ball Z here in Canada. Uh, <laughs> staples you would expect. It's getting people into Dragon Ball, which is in 2018 something I thought you were either in or you're out. Uh, well, that, that stuff was still everywhere. I mean, if you're, you're caught in, I thought you'd be, you know, caught in just walking yeah. by the store or something at this, at the, at this point for how popular it is. Because the, the, there's been lots of Dragon Ball games, and, and they're of varying qualities, but, like, the Budokai series was liked, the Tenkaichi stuff was liked, uh, the recent Xenoverse stuff has been really well received, yeah. people are liking it. People who like Dragon Ball have been pretty well served with video games over the years. Uh, the, the Game Boy Advance stuff that was, like, all RPGs oh, and whatnot. Man, uh, Legacy of Goku 2 yeah. and uh, Bu- Boost Fury. Boo's Fury. <laughs> Boo's Fury. It was was fantastic. Yeah. They were great games. The first one was a little bit off because there was no real blocking or anything. It was a little difficult to control, but the other two were fantastic. Yeah. So, in a long line of apparently good Dragon Ball games, uh, this one's kind of brought in a lot of people, and, you know, uh, depending on who you follow, people are just getting into Dragon Ball now, which is fine. Uh, they have Dragon Ball Super out now, so there's there's new stuff to watch. And Unfortunately, it's ending soon. <laughs> I, I thought they were doing a... Doing it again? They're, they're, it's just done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. The they, new series they, they, at they, some they point. Already said, I think season four is the end. Dragon Ball Super Two. Uh, <laughs> let's do it. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, so Monster Hunter World though is definitely the thing I've been putting the most time into. Uh, I put fifty hours into a character. I'm rank fourteen. I'm fighting the last the the three elder dragons before you beat the game, and I'm using air quotes. Uh, and then after that, there is no G rank in this game, which is the third tier of quests. Uh, but there are tempered monsters. They're just tougher monsters with, with better drops. Uh, so I'm pretty far in that game. Uh, but I, be- I beeline the story, too. Like, I just got through it. So I have a lot of optional stuff to uh, to wrap up. But then my wife got into the game. Uh, so she's like, oh, I just want to explore. Can I do that? I'm like, you absolutely can. Uh, so she made a character. She made her palico. And she's exploring and picking stuff up. And I'm kind of showing her the ropes and just, like, pointing things out. Because it's, it's an obtuse game. Straight up. Like, I've been playing Monster Hunter since it came out on the PS2, so I'm used to the obtuseness of this game, and as the game has evolved over the years and tacked on new systems, which it does a very poor job of explaining, uh, I'm just, I'm there and used to it. Uh, So I don't know if a lot of people pick up the game by themselves. They don't want to read the lengthy tutorials. uh, they, They don't know what's good or bad for them to be doing. And they bounce off of it. Because uh, the gameplay, as, as fun as it is to like wail on a monster, if everything else isn't clicking for you, you're just going to bounce off it. And I, it's something that Monster Hunter veterans understand. Uh, and with this game, because it is so user-friendly to, to a fault, uh, we want to bring people in. Uh, pe- people who play Monster Hunter finally want to bring other like their friends in and be like, Hey man, this the game I've been enjoying for years... What, what about this one? It's on the PS4. It's easy to, to get into. Uh, teach them the ropes. And that seems to be the case because they have sold millions of copies of this game already. Uh, and if someone, like, like if my wife can pick this game up and, like, get into it and get into the combat uh, and learn how to mix items together and manage all the different menus and, and stuff in the game, uh, then really 
you know, no offense to her, anyone can, uh, because you know, the, the collectathon nature of it and the the loot stuff of it appeals to everyone. Monster Hunter, of course, you're collecting loot to build gear, uh, so it's better than just getting the gear off the ground. You feel like you're building it. You feel like you're choosing your fashion choices and weapons. Uh, you have a sense of unique identity in Monster Hunter that maybe you don't in other loot games um, where there is no class system and, and everything's kind of determined uh, also on your skill. Uh, I, I can start that game and fight the, the harder monsters that show up just because I'm so used to their animations and what to do and how to, you know, how to exploit them uh, and the environment to do that. Uh, whereas someone who's just picking it up only knows wailing on the monster with their weapon and doesn't know what to expect when they do this or that. Uh, so it's actually very fun for someone like myself to take someone else through it and be like, when the monster does this, this happens. This is how you capture a monster. I'm going to do it this time, but next time you're going to do it. You have to use these items. Here's your radial menu. You want these things equipped. Uh, it's that kind of game. Uh, so anyway, she got into it. I'm like, this would be a lot of fun if we could play together. I made sure she logged into her own account so her character is separate from mine. Uh, and that led to me buying a PlayStation Pro. Uh, well, buying a PlayStation. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, so we had a lot of PC points, President's Choice points. Oh. Uh, and that knocked down the place of PlayStation Pro to nothing for me, basically. Not nothing, but less than half, uh, which is perfect. And that was my birthday present to myself. Uh, <laughs> and also from Krista, I guess, to an extent. Uh, so I fired that baby up, uh, put Monster Hunter on there. I figured out... Okay, so this is a secret, and you can't tell anybody. Okay. <laughs> you get a digital copy of something that's a multiplayer game. You have your primary PlayStation 4. So my original PlayStation 4 is still my primary for my account, and I have PlayStation Plus. Krista is also on that PlayStation 4 as her primary, does not have PlayStation Plus. I downloaded a digital copy of Monster Hunter World on my account on that PlayStation. Because it is also where her account is, is being used, she can play my digital games. Everybody knows that. That's yeah. how that works. You download something, anyone on that uh, PlayStation can play it with you. Excellent. So... I get the PlayStation 4 Pro. I don't set it as my primary console. I download Monster Hunter World because I own it. I go into my PlayStation Plus saves. I pull my save out of the cloud and put it on the console. I fire up the game. She fires up the game. We can both play online without with one copy of the game, and she does not have PlayStation Plus. And this is, a, this is called family sharing, by the way. And it's something that Sony announced a long time ago, but it seems like they don't want to readily keep foisting because yeah. at a certain point Capcom's going to be like so you're telling me two people are playing on one copy of the game that's not cool we, we, we could have sold two but now we've only sold one we've only sold one right uh, so this is a thing that exists it's called family sharing if you have two consoles in your home and you buy one digital copy of something you want to play Destiny 2 you want to play Borderlands you need one copy digital obviously because they both need to be able to be fired up at the same time so a disc is not going to do it for you uh, you enable family sharing, you leave your primary on the original one where your spouse or friend is playing, you download the game on your new PlayStation that you do not set as your primary, and you can play on one copy with a friend. Uh, so that's what we've been doing for Monster Hunter World, and it's working great. Uh, the Pro, uh, like, again, I just said I had 50 hours into this game. That's on my original PlayStation. So now playing another 17 hours of this game on a PlayStation Pro, I can tell you... It's better. <laughs> uh, the the game loads faster. I haven't really messed too much with the... Uh, like, I have a bunch of games that support um, all the different things the, the Pro has to offer. Obviously, there's boost mode where just performance is increased. Otherwise, you can uh, adjust frames or resolution at, to, your, to your liking. Um, and I don't have an HDR TV yet. Uh, so I haven't been able to enjoy those features of the Pro. But otherwise, if I was going to get another PlayStation 4... It was always going to be a pro. Yeah. Uh, so well, that's... You might, you might as well go to the top of the line if you're going to... For what's available. Yeah. And now that I've bought the PlayStation 4 Pro, Sony can announce the next console and I'll be <laughs> behind again. That's just how this works. Uh, so we've been playing the hell out of that game and it's fantastic. Uh, if you if the game looks cool to you, 
Find someone you know who's into the game already to kind of give you advice. There's plenty of people here around the office uh, who are getting into the game for the first time that have questions. I'm there to answer it. I'm just like, hey, man, this is how this game is structured. This is how this is going to work. This is what you can do. Make sure you're doing this. Uh, because like I said, there's a lot of things in that game that unlock that don't necessarily lead you to. It's just like, oh, yeah, you can... Man, I have a hard time doing this. Well, there's actually an option to help you with that. But the game is the game. And if you don't go looking for it and know what it is already... Uh, basically, you're just constantly unlocking menus in that game. Uh, so <laughs> it's just like, okay, you rank this, you get a new menu. This is what it does. Um, other than that, this weekend, other than playing some Monster Hunter World, I could see myself getting into some Dynasty Warriors 9, which is downloading right now on my PlayStation. Uh, that game probably sucks, but I'm down for a Dynasty yeah, Warriors. Yeah, I, I, I thought you were going to jump into that. I, I'm, in, I'm in. It's an open-world <laughs> Dynasty Warriors game, meaning instead of loading screens and menus, you just get to ride a horse for ten minutes. Uh, but that's fine. Dynasty Kill, Warriors is a good time. Killing 10,000 uh, soldiers. Yeah, Muso's great. Come on. Uh, I do play Fire Emblem Warriors. Uh, you played a bit of it. Yep. And it's fine. I right. like it. Yeah. I like it. I'm, I'm, I got Dynasty Warriors Gundam on PlayStation. Yeah. I mean, I, Those games are great. Yeah. I, I, I love it because it's just over the top. I mean, yeah. even the Fire Emblem stuff, they even try and pull... An actual story speaking, out of it. Speaking of game genres that people hate on, for and I can't like it's like oh, Muso games. It's like no man, like like a puzzle game. It's the, the gameplay is the gameplay, and yes, you can tune out and watch something on a television while you play it. Yep. Uh, but that's why you come to it, and that's why you like it. So, Dynasty Warriors Nine. I'll tell you how it is next time. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some of the game releases coming out, uh, and then get to some quick news and wrap it up. Alright, well today, February 16th, uh, sees the re-release of Bayonetta 2 on the Switch. Comes with a full game download of the first Bayonetta. That's a full price game. Uh, but if you have not played Bayonetta and you like character action, you owe it to yourself to play that game. It's fantastic. Talk to you. Like, I've, 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 I haven't been on the fence, but everybody says it's good. Yeah. And I don't really have anyone saying it's bad. And for me, I look at it and I'm just like, I've I've got reoccurring nightmares of like Metal Gear Rising it's... or a very lame Devil yeah. May Cry. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so it's really over the top uh, all the characters and the dialogue is is very for lack of a better word anime uh, like it's really stupid and in your face and a, a, you know in that way uh, the, the controls and the gameplay and like the things you're doing standing on the back of a jet beating the crap out of things like the set piece moments in that game are really fantastic uh, but yeah Devil May Cry hits it on the head like if you don't like Devil May Cry then by all means don't play Bayonetta well that was just it I, I like yeah. Devil May Cry but eventually it just became like so repetitive like what 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 is what does this offer me that's maybe a little bit um, different uh, again like other than the 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 stage design the boss design and like the 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 game itself that keeps you playing uh it's got the witch time mechanic where you can basically dodge at the last second to slow down time and wail on enemies you get different weapons and bonuses and it's uh you know it, like character action is as character action does uh so i don't know what the last devil may cry you played was but that that new one they made the dmc or whatever was fine, uh, and those games really get away with, you know, they, they are linear games. They don't have yeah. a lot of exploration, uh, so you can really put high detail into the areas you're in, the, the dioramas, so to speak. Um, it's just just a solid feeling game. Like, it feels good to beat the crap out of things in Bayonetta. Um, and, and again, the the, the Japanese-iness of the, the over-the-top characters is you can take it or leave it. Like, if you like Suda games or you like, um, it, well... Character action games, basically. <laughs> like, all the characters are just way over the top, uh, and, and it's quite enjoyable. I never finished Bayonetta 2. I think I beat Bayonetta 1 when it came out on the PS3. Um, but right. well, now you have, a, you have the opportunity to do it now. Let me tell you something. The Wii U is did not have a controller that was really good for character action games, believe it or not. 
Uh, so the Switch with a Pro Controller sounds like a much, much better uh, thing. Also, having the game portable is just nuts. Like, it, most of these games that, like, character action genre, say what you want. Like, that's that's a home console genre. But now that all these things can kind of come with you. Yes, well, I know they did God of War on the PSP. Uh, well, that's the one thing that's, that's, that's slowly but surely pulling me in is the fact that, like, yeah, it's Bayonetta. I've had, like, a, you know, a passing interest in it. Yeah. But then it's now it's the fact that, well, it's portable. Well, now will you give it a shot? Now I'm really feeling like I should. It's... Uh, Wait for it to fall in price and try it out. Uh, just make sure, you just remember, you're probably not going to get Bayonetta 1 if you if you do that. That's kind of yeah. what, what I'm yeah. worried about. Unless you go back to the PS3 or the Wii U to, to, to get it or whatever the hell. Yeah. Uh, and then Bayonetta 3 is coming later this year. So someone likes that game. Uh, still a, a Sega IP, we learned. Uh, and they're just basically farming it out to uh, to Nintendo and, also Sega and does. Platinum. That's yeah. what Sega does these days, though. They yeah. farm everything in Sega. Did you ever play Vanquish? No. Okay. No, I, 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 I stood away from that one. Vanquish is kind of the perfect mix between... A platinum like character action game and a third person like I don't want to say Metal Gear, but um, if if you gave Metal Gear a bunch of cocaine, <laughs> it might be Vanquish because uh, it's like knee slides and like mech and, like a, a cool suit and guns that morph and like it's really fun. But I like platinum games just in general for this. They're video game. They understand they're making video games, uh, and that rubs some people the wrong way sometimes because obviously with the case of Bayonetta. Some TNA is a selling point in that game, uh, but beyond that, uh, it's just a solid playing character action game uh, and good for platinum games. So, um, good for them, make, like good for Sega for allowing this to continue. Like Nintendo stepped in at the eleventh hour and saved Bayonetta two, and that will continue to make three. Uh, something like Scalebound, which was going to be that Xbox exclusive, which was also a platinum games game, uh, they didn't like plat- didn't let platinum games go shop that elsewhere. When Microsoft killed it, it's dead. So whatever the hell that headphone wearing dragon riding game was for the xbox it's just gone uh and that's a bummer because i like platinum games uh other than that this week secret of mana the remake is out uh the the 3d chibi remake uh that is really splitting people on it um i guess tonally people who really like secret of mana are bummed by the 3d graphics and how they don't really capture the tone of the original or they're just nostalgic for the original and they're like why did they just make it well, it's like Nintendo re-released Secret of Mana on the, on the SNES Classic, not four months ago or whatever. So I'm more so confused as why they just don't actually get or work with Square Enix to actually get the uh, that trilogy released on Switch in English. Well, I mean, really, they, yeah. They, Square, Square did it with I Am Setsuna. Square did it with Lost Lost Sphere, Spear, whatever it is. Then you've got Andrew. They haven't released the original Final Fantasy games with the translation. The original ones? You can't play Famicom Final Fantasy 3 with a translation. There's no official one out that I know of. You can oh. only play the remake, the 3D one. There's no... Right? Of which Final Fantasy are we the, talking here? Final Fantasy 3 with the oh, Onion Knights. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, they didn't yeah. do that for Final Fantasy. What are the chances they're going to do it for Secret Well, Man? no, it's because they, they, the reason they did it is because it was it was drop-dead boring because they didn't have any <laughs> personalities. It was like playing Final Fantasy 1 over again with a different story. Uh, yeah, so that's out on the Switch in, yeah. uh, in Japan, so... Listen, uh, you can listen to like 8-4 podcast, uh, guys who do localization and the work that goes into doing that. Obviously, it's an RPG, so it's all dialogue. Uh, and localizing it, you know, you can do a crappy job and it, and it shows. It comes across as there's plenty of games out there with bad translations uh, where they, they didn't take the time to be like, what does this actually mean in English? Because it actually doesn't make sense as it stands. Uh, so Yakuza is a good example of that. Tons of dialogue in that game. Uh, they're properly localized. They, they make sure they're making sense. Some of the side quest stuff is still a little iffy. Um, but apparently it's a lot of work. 
I, I don't speak oh, Japanese. It's, it's, I don't know. It's absolutely yeah. a lot of work. My, my my question is, how is it that people who have you know, a, full, a full-time job and take a couple of bucks here and there on like <laughs> a Patreon or like a Kickstarter... Can do this stuff. Can do it. Yeah. But make, make drugs job, for Sims. The, yeah, the, the people yeah. whose job it is specifically for this, it's just too much. Uh, they crunch the numbers, right? If they did every project that someone suggested to them, they'd be... They'd be making Final Fantasy because they're going bankrupt. I'd be, I'd be uh, interested to know how many people downloaded the Police Knots uh, patch. Absolutely. And have played the game. Uh, I'd be very interested. In how much money they, they would have made. How many people played Mother 3 that wouldn't have if no one ever fan translated Yo. it? Yeah, it was one <laughs> in the room. Uh, that's nuts. So uh, other than that, the beginning of February, Shadow of the Colossus was remade apparently to great success. They built that thing from the ground up. looks fantastic. looks amazing. Um, if I ever get it like an HDR TV, Shadow of the Colossus, might, I might need to replay it. Otherwise, I'm good. Well, and it's, re- it's rebooting speedruns now, too. For taking down certain Colossus. They're, oh, yeah. Like, oh, they're, well, apparently there's, there's, day one, like, there's something like 79 hidden items in the game yep. that are like impossible to find. And if you do unlock something, Sony was surprised people found it. I don't know why anyone is surprised anyone found anything in a video game these days, but <laughs> I digress. Uh, we're running out of time here, so I'm just going to actually run this down real quick. Uh, Dragon Quest Builders for the Switch is now available. Kingdom Come Deliverance uh, is out this week as well. Monster Energy Supercross. They're sponsoring... They're, I was watching NASCAR yesterday in the in the suite there at the Moose game, and there was a mo- Monster Energy NASCAR. I'm like, okay. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's kind of what's going on. Uh, next week, of course, Metal Gear Survive, which we don't have much to say about. The nope. beta was relatively well received. That engine that Final, that Final Fantasy, that uh, Metal Gear Solid Five was running on is a good engine. And if you want to make a survival game, which is basically all the the middling parts of Metal Gear Five, when you're not running to a mission objective, fine by me. Uh, and it looks intriguing for what it's worth. Andrew won't touch it. If, if you like it, have fun. But yeah. I won't be touching it. Yeah, it's a budget price game too, worth mentioning. Uh, anyways, so E3 public tickets are on sale now. Uh, rather, they were on sale last Friday, uh, and they uh, they went up for 150 bucks for the first thousand people who bought them. Those went pretty quick. Uh, last year, it took them about three months to sell the other 15,000 tickets they had available, which this year are 250 dollars. Uh, so, if you're interested in going to E3, you're going to be in LA from June 12th to 14th. Uh, you can absolutely go buy an E3 ticket. They sent me my accreditation, so I have my pass. Uh, I don't know if I'm going. <laughs> um, this, they're they're definitely making some uh, strides to to help people who are there for the trade show and not just there to wander around. Uh, so there are extended hours on the first two day. I know Tuesday and Wednesday have exclusive hours for people who are there for the trade show. Uh, so it's nice to know that if I did go, it wouldn't be super busy on those first two days. And then the third day, which is usually the quietest day, anyways, uh, will be open to everyone the whole time. Uh, this is, I can see them having issues because obviously you're going to have thousands of people on site waiting to get onto the show floor. Uh, and basically you're going to have a bunch of minimum paid workers uh, having to tell them to get lost. And when it's 15,000 people who are just like, uh, we bought tickets to the show. Why can't we get in the show? Oh, it's because you paid instead of getting it for free. It's a, it's a, it's a bad scene. Uh, <laughs> we didn't go last year for the first time in a few years. And, and I heard it was for anyone trying to get to and to and fro on the, on the show floor was just impossible. Like it was wall to wall humanity. Uh, so once you get into the booth, it's fine. But getting from one hall to the other or, or getting to your appointments apparently was quite tough. So hopefully this will alleviate that. Uh, otherwise, you know, if you're going to E3, have fun. I don't know what to say. <laughs> you want some tips? Email me. Bring granola bars. Um, yeah. Don't buy the pizza in the cafeteria. It's like $12 a slice. It's pretty good. It's too expensive. Uh, so something I really wanted to talk about and I want to make sure we fit in because uh, our time is tight today uh, is the... the well, first and foremost, I learned earlier this, today that Andrew has not watched King of Kong Fistful of Quarters. 
which was a documentary out uh, 10 years ago, uh, and it was documenting uh, just a kind of a Joe Schmo nobody, and his his uh, he's cracking into the video game high score scene uh, and trying to set the high score for Donkey Kong. Um, so there are a lot of players in this, and you haven't seen the movie, so I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a gentleman by the name of Billy Mitchell out of Florida, and he owns a hot sauce business, and he wears an American flag tie, and he has a, like the longest, most immaculate mullet I've ever seen, and this guy, you think he's made up. Like When you see this guy in the documentary, you're like, there's no way this is a real person. And I assure you, this is a real man. Uh, and he is the long-standing number one Donkey Kong uh, since he was a, a kid. Uh, basically, he's, he's in the, the Mount Rushmore of, of high scores of classic arcade games. Uh, basically, when they filmed this King of Kong thing, they were following multiple stories and trying to see what would kind of come to light as the thing they should actually base this documentary on. And Donkey Kong emerged as that. Uh, so the, the, the movie is based around that. There are plenty of other documentaries made since then around this but this kind of brought this scene to the main mainstream as it were uh twin galaxies is a high score tracking website uh out of the united states uh run by walter day and that he's in the movie prominently as the kind of the referee of video games uh this is a website you can submit your scores to via many multiple means uh and they track it and it's considered one of the more prestigious places you could have your high score recognized uh twin galaxies is so billy mitchell's on top forever uh he he has a score that is you know no one's ever going to topple it. Uh, it's impossible. And then until a tape is submitted from a guy in his garage who just he was down on his luck, got a Donkey Kong machine, and started playing the hell out of it, and and sets a world record as far as he's concerned. He sends it into Twin Galaxies, and we learn that there are some obviously these Billy Mitchells of the world, and there's many other characters in this that you you will fall in love with. Uh, they're they're pulling some strings, and they're trying to dispute. Steve, Steve's score. They're trying to say that, oh, he got this board from this other guy who we don't like, who has submitted fake stuff in the past, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he's, he's messing with us. This is his way of getting back at Billy. We need to, we need to cancel this. And they, and they end up disputing and not counting his score. So what can this guy do? Well, there's going to be an event at Fun Spot in the States, and he's going to go set a score in person. He's going to set it with everybody there. No one can dispute it. It's on the machine at the thing that no one has messed with. He's going to set this score. Uh, so that, that's basically the, the main crux of, of this movie, documentary. Uh, and guess what? He gets there, and he does it. Uh, he does it in front of everybody. It's great. They're going to they're gonna upload it to the website, blah, blah, blah. Suddenly, there's a tape that was, that was sent, and Billy Mitchell never showed up to this event, but he sent a tape with his new high score, uh, which is above Steve Weeb. So this, Steve Weeb is the, the guy who's setting the, uh, the score here. The, the hero, so to speak. Uh, so he barely gets to revel in his in his win as Billy Mitchell has sent a tape, which has all kinds of problems with it. But right on the spot, they update the website and say, yeah, he's number one. Uh, so th- you, you're just seething while you watch this movie. Oh. And it's fantastic. Uh, and I won't spoil the ending, of course. But uh, basically, there is some resolution. But after this movie came out, everybody it, it brought it to the mainstream. And suddenly, everybody's trying for this high score. Uh, and, and the two guys themselves that are featured in this movie that were 1 and 2 respectively at the time are now 10 and 11th. Like, there's been better scores from all kinds of people and throughout the years it's been reported. Like, oh, this, this random dentist out of so-and-so beat the score. Here it is. Um, so, recently, as of two weeks ago, someone went through uh, painstakingly frame-by-frame frame Billy Mitchell's supposed submission tape of his current score, which I believe puts him in 10th place or something even, but went through it and basically showed why, hey, the random ne- ge- num- uh, number generators in this aren't working properly. It looks like it's played on MAME. 
which is, of course, the multi-arcade emulator machine. You can put multiple boards in it, multiple games in it. Uh, and while there is a version of MAME called Wolf MAME that is recognized by Twin Galaxies, regular MAME is not. And this would basically be proof that he cheated to achieve the score he got. Uh, can you lean over? This is the guy we're talking about. This is Billy Mitchell right here. Can you imagine this guy being the bad guy in a movie? It's fantastic. Uh, anyways, uh, you got to watch this free movie, man. Download it on the weekend before I get you the DVD, please. I think I will. Uh, it was on Netflix for a while. I don't know that it still is. Uh, so this was in July 31st, 2010. Mitchell recorded uh, world record scores for Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr., blah, blah, blah. Basically, one of the users on the website pointed out why it's wrong. Now they're uh, basically, he's like, you need to submit a tape where it's you playing the cabinet as well as the cabinet fee- uh, the feed from it. With, like, you, you clear your name, basically. And he's like, well, that tape exists. It's been submitted to Twin Galaxies. If it's anywhere else, that's a big major problem. And basically all you're hearing is that Billy Mitchell is threatening them not to take his score down. Currently, it is listed on Twin Galaxies as disputed. You can click it and read the entire dispute. Uh, and this is an ongoing saga. So this, this thing, since it started 10 years ago, has not stopped. Uh, it, is, it is still going, and there's new layers being oh uncovered all the time. Uh, and this is fantastic. So you can read all about that simply by probably typing in Billy Mitchell on Google. Uh, and if you haven't seen King of Kong Festival of Quarters, please, God, go see that documentary. It's fantastic. Um, and I had the pleasure of, like a lot of people who are featured in the movie, they, they show up at E3. They show up at other trade events. Uh, so I've had the pleasure to, to meet a lot of these people. And they're just fantastic characters. You wouldn't believe these people are around. But they're basically like... They were 16, 17 in the 80s when, when these things were big. They were in magazines and on television setting these arcade game high scores. And now they're adults. And they the drama and the pettiness of their childhood has never left them. Uh, <laughs> basically what happens when you peak as a 17-year-old, right? Like, what happens? You become one of the Corys. Um, <laughs> It's fantastic, and I, I can't say more about it. So there's a huge article right now on Kotaku. I know everybody's kind of talking about it, uh, but it, it is fascinating uh, that this, this keeps going on and the the uh, the levels of uh, co- corruption where Twin Galaxies is supposed to be this, this shining beacon, but it has on the fringe of it all these people that maybe are not as, as uh, what was the word? What is the word I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of disingenuous, which is what they are. But I'm thinking of... Genuous is not the version of just... Anyway. <laughs> check that out. Uh, real quick, because we're down to the nitty-gritty here. The Super NT is out. That is the 1080p zero lag total accuracy Super Nintendo recreation with the original chips you can buy right now for 190 US dollars. Apparently, it is friggin' amazing. You can dump... Uh, saves to the thing you can uh, do all manner of things with it you can check that out online it's made by a company called analog uh, these things are legit so if you fancy yourself a retro gaming fan and you want your super nintendo games to look better than ever on something that's like legit hardware of the super nintendo super nt is the thing you want to look into andrew i'm pointing at you done yeah <laughs> bought i'm already buying one uh it's yeah it's the best hdmi emulation of a super nintendo game in, in the thing uh in the main blurb which is a little pretentious they're like this isn't a plug and play toy it's a goddamn Super Nintendo. Uh, <laughs> THQ Nordic has completed their journey of becoming THQ again uh, when they acquired uh, its Coach Media. Could be pronounced Cock Media. It's C-O-C-A-K-O-C-H. Uh, but they are the owner of the video game publisher Deep Silver. Deep Silver, of course, uh, is currently where... Um, uh, oh, shit. They're now doing Saints Row. Uh, they did Homefront, Dead Island, Metro. Uh, that's where all those games kind of live now. Square Enix for a long time was the publisher of their games. Uh, but apparently THQ Nordic is stepping in. So 
Don't expect any of those games to ever meet a street date ever again. Uh, so THQ, since 2012, of course, went bankrupt. They sold off all their things to the four corners of the earth. Uh, Nordic Games uh, eventually bought most of their, their stuff. And apparently their name, as they changed their name to THQ Nordic, uh, they now own Deep Silver. So expect something out of Saints Row soon. I would assume that if they're going to just want to cash in on the IP. The game made money. Absolutely. Make Saints Row 2 on the PS4. Just redo that game. Um they did uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was the most recent release from Volition, uh, and it was not good. Agents of, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of Mayhem, sorry. Agents say. of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that terrible ABC Marvel uh, show <laughs> uh, that I watched three seasons of for some reason. Uh, so that came out and didn't have co-op play. Uh, the, right, see, the, the problem with any comedy, of course, is if, if you make an action movie or a sci-fi movie and it's bad, it becomes a comedy. If you make a comedy and it's bad, it just becomes shit. Like, it's, there's no redeeming factors of it. Uh, so video games, even more so. If you're writing a video game where the lines are going to be repeated over and over, uh, and you're doing these cutscenes and you're trying to make them funny and it isn't, uh, it makes it a very un- un- fun experience. Saints Row, admittedly, they're funny games. There's, there's a lot in there to like. Um, this had none of it. had none of the charm and felt like it was a rush project and... and a lot of those people, I believe, got let go after the fact. So that's kind of a bummer because I like Volition. Um, but yeah, so look for something out of those games soon. Metro, of course, has a new game supposedly coming out this year. Yep. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Dead Island 2 was a game that was announced five years ago that we haven't heard of since. Uh, mostly because that Dying Light game came out and just ate its lunch right in front of it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Last thing to mention this week, Assassin's Creed Origin now has a Discovery Tour mode where there's no combat and you kind of wander from location to location as many historical figures and learn about Egypt. This is wacky as hell, but it exists and I think it's free. So huh. that's kind of neat. I always felt that Assassin's Creed would be cool if they cut out the modern day timeline. Uh, as of Assassin's Creed Origins, they still haven't done that. Uh. Uh, but at least there's this Discovery thing now. Um, it pulls you out and it's just like the animus this and the animus this and this is what I'm doing and you're like okay can I just get back to the murder in Egypt yeah Um, so that's that if you want to interact with the show you can find us on Facebook sure uh, slash turn based attack uh, on Twitter at turn based attack. Otherwise, you can uh, absolutely email me, Lee at tits of the iceberg.com, uh, or post a comment or topic or anything uh, anywhere on a web zone where you see us. I want to bring back the term web zone. I'm going to change the website to turn based attack dot zone. Uh, so that's it for the show. Thank you for joining me for TBA Light, Andrew. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, we'll be back probably to talk about some wrestling uh, maybe next week. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, maybe it'll be good by then. Doubt it. Uh, But until then, (laughs) enjoy what you're playing, and uh, we'll talk to you later.